just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Sunday, kind of a laid-back weekend for me. I spent most of the day yesterday at my grandson's basketball tournament. Loved watching my kids play sports. Love even more watching my grandkids play sports. Now, it's not the highest level of basketball. These kids are only 10. They're just learning. But the excitement level and uh, the intensity, pretty cool. I enjoyed watching it. My grandson's team lost one game and won one game. So it was overall a good day. I was standing next to this woman under one of the baskets because pretty crowded in this gym. And uh, her son was playing on the opposing team. So my grandson's team comes down, they score a basket, and they're headed back. And I hear this mom say to her son, come on, at least smile out there. And I look at her. I said, smile? This is war. There's no smiling in war. And she kind of laughed, and I didn't think much of it. Then I started watching the kid. And this kid was really upset the whole game. He was one of these guys that would go down and something wouldn't go his way and he'd hold his arms out wide like, what the fuck's going on here? I got robbed again. And he would come down the court and he was upset. He was pouting a little bit. And I caught myself doing this. As I'm watching this kid go back and forth, I'm thinking to myself, God, what a dick. And then I realized he's fucking 10. Back off, dipshit. But I was watching this kid, and I said, this is about insecurity. This is about feeling like he can't do anything right, but he's 10 years old. There are a lot of kids on this court that aren't doing the things they want to do because they just don't have the coordination yet. In time, they'll become good athletes, or some won't become good athletes. They'll go off and do other things. But I'm looking at this kid. I'm going, why is this so much pressure to you? You're 10. I started playing sports when I was 10. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have much pressure. I was fortunate enough. I was a bigger kid, so I did pretty well, and I didn't go through too much sitting on the bench. But I made my mistakes, certainly while I was playing sports, but I never felt that kind of pressure. I was worried about this poor kid. I went from thinking this kid's a dick and then realizing he's 10 years old, (laughs) and I wondered, Why is he so concerned? Now, mom seemed perfectly nice. Where's the pressure coming from? I think that's one of the problems we see in this country now. We have a lot of expectations out of kids at a very young age, a time where they should be focusing on being kids and not trying to be super athletes. I started seeing this when I had my kids in school. It wasn't so much when I was in school, because it was never really a consideration. But every kid that plays basketball or hockey or whatever, there are always some parents out there that are thinking, my kid's going to be a D1 athlete. I'm going to do all the things he needs to do to make sure he's a D1 athlete. These 
people, these uh, parents are living vicariously through their kids, and their kids end up getting all the pressure. When a kid's 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, when he's in his youth sports, let the fucking kids play. Let them make mistakes. Let them learn. Some will excel and some won't. And who gives a fuck? The likelihood that your kid is going to be a D1 athlete is very small. And if you're lucky enough to get a kid playing college sports, well, then there's more pressures after that because then they're worried about playing pro sports. Here's what I've learned about life. You spend a lot of your life stressing out about things, worrying about what's going to happen next. Instead, what you should do is be worried about doing the best you can now. And regardless of whether it's as much as you hope for or not, it's what you can do. And just keep doing it. Keep pushing forward. You'll get to where you're supposed to be. And if you're not supposed to be a D1 athlete playing football, basketball, or hockey, you won't get there. But that's okay. Most of us haven't excelled in sports. Now, I've had some friends that have excelled in sports. I don't, I don't begrudge them that. They're incredible athletes, and they've done very well, and I'm proud of them. But I'm not sad that I didn't. I mean, maybe when I was 15, 16, 17, I would have liked that to happen. But in retrospect, I'm fine the way it went. So I just worried about this kid going back and forth. I mean, it's like he was pouting every time something happened and he was acting as if that shouldn't have happened, that he got cheated. And if I saw that in my kid or my grandkid, I'd sit him down. I'd say, listen, play the game. Don't fucking pout out there. Just play the game. If you're good, you're good. If you're not, that's fine. Just have fun. Do what you got to do. I do enjoy going to these sporting events. And I will say my grandson is, is uh, he's a big kid. He's not real aggressive, but he's having fun. And that's really all that matters. Now, while I'm standing on the sidelines, I've got my granddaughter tugging at my legs. Oh, can we go in the hall? Can we go in the hall? <laughs> so I got to pop in and out of the hall and, and in the court watching the game and such. This girl's running me ragged and... Uh, so it was a good time overall. And I'm going to get one more shot later today to see my granddaughter, at least, because I think my son and my granddaughter are coming by to go swimming. They were over swimming a while back, and it was great fun. She's a funny kid, and I just love hanging out. So today and yesterday, kind of a low-key day. And I'm 62, going to be 63. I need these low-key days. I'll be honest with you, most of my days are fucking low-key. I get up, I watch some news, I read some news, I do some TikToks, I do a podcast. I'm not exactly working my fingers to the bone at this point. But I had my years when I worked, and uh, I'm going to take this retirement thing seriously. I'm going to do what I want to do, and that's fucking it. And that involves making podcasts, TikToks, <laughs> and going to my grandkids' sporting events. All right. Now, Donald Trump spoke at CPAC, which was kind of interesting. I heard bits and pieces of the things he said. You can imagine what he said. Mostly lies, mostly bullshit, a lot of it crazy and nonsensical. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. 
But there was a big event. I think it was on Thursday or Friday. I haven't talked about much uh, because maybe I didn't realize how big a deal it was when I first heard it. But it is, in fact, a big deal. You know how Donald Trump is always pushing back on these lawsuits that he has. And there's a ton of lawsuits. There's Eric Swalwell and members of Congress. There's police. There's all kinds of people suing Donald Trump over what he did on January 6th, inciting the insurrection. Now, Donald Trump would go out and say, I have complete immunity. You cannot charge me. I cannot be held responsible because I was the president. I have absolute immunity. Well, all of us would sit back and say, no, you don't, Donnie. Fuck that. No, you don't. But that's only worth so much, our personal opinions. So now there was a brief from the Department of Justice firmly stating that Donald Trump does not have absolute immunity, is nothing less than blockbuster, and it will open up the door to a flood of lawsuits to be filed against the former president as he makes his third run for the Oval Office. Now, he has a lot of lawsuits now, but you can expect a shitload more coming. Even if Donald Trump wasn't indicted, he's going to be so buried in civil lawsuits, he won't know which way to fucking turn. But don't be worried. He will get the indictments, too. That's what's going to happen here. He's going to have so many lawsuits. He's going to have a few indictments. He's going to have all the people around him that are getting indictments, and he won't know which way to turn. That's why I'm saying come 2024, he's going to be a little busy to run for the presidency especially since he's uh, losing support and not having enough money and the Republicans don't want anything to do with him. None of these things suggest that he's a hot prospect for the Republican nomination in 2024, except for one thing. You know, they had the CPAC thing, and we'll talk more about that in a moment, but the CPAC has its straw poll as to who they choose to be the Republican nominee for president in 2024. Without question, Donald Trump wins. He beat Ron DeSantis by three times the amount of votes. But don't get excited. It's CPAC. And CPAC can't even get people out to talk or even go to the event. Even when Donald Trump spoke, there were tons of empty seats. It was ridiculous. They're saying they want Donald Trump to be the nominee, and that's not surprising. Let's be honest, CPAC doesn't always pick the right guy. They've picked the wrong guy many times. Now, the fact that uh, the Department of Justice has said he does not have absolute immunity. In the filing released on Thursday, the DOJ asserted Nixon v. Fitzgerald established a rule of absolute immunity for the president's official acts. It's not a rule of absolute immunity for a president regardless of the nature of his acts, especially if they tie into being criminal. The loss of immunity will likely lead to the former president facing a ton of lawsuits from private citizens, from lawmakers and government employees who suffered damages related to the January 6th insurrection. Ashley Babbitt's mom and dad could even sue Donald Trump. In fact, I think they should. 
So this former prosecutor, Charles Coleman, was asked, what does this mean now for those plaintiffs, police officers, those members of Congress? They can sue the president, former president now, and move forward with litigation over what happened during the insurrection. Coleman said this is a blockbuster. The decision cannot be more important or come at a worse time for Donald Trump. You are talking about someone who's looking forward to 2024. He wants to run for the presidency, and he's making an effort to do it. As we were just talking about in your last segment, this is from the show. Now, another challenge to Joe Biden to be president again and has to potentially deal with lawsuits from Capitol Police officers as well as Congress people who feel like they were put in danger with his rhetoric around the January 6th insurrection. He goes on to say this is a big, big blow to Donald Trump and significant news because it opens up the proverbial floodgates for lawsuits. Now, the downside to this is while there may be a significant political strain that comes from this and also the strain on reputation that does further damage to Donald Trump, I don't necessarily know that a victory in court is going to yield much money in terms of them being able to collect whatever judgment they are ultimately able to get. And this is true. This is a lot like Alex Jones. He owes like $1.7 billion, and he doesn't have that kind of money. Donald Trump runs through money like water. And unless he's grifting, and unless these dumb trump are giving him money, he don't have money. We've seen through his uh, tax reports, this guy is not a billionaire. He makes a regular habit of losing money. I'm guessing, short of any grifting he gets done and, and the trump sending him money, he has a little cash flow problem. I mean, he's always asking for help with his defense fund, his lawyers. And he's running through lawyers like he runs, I was going to say like he runs through underwear, but he doesn't wear underwear. He's going through lawyers like he goes through Depends, which is multiple times daily. But he doesn't have the money. So these people can sue him. Whether they will end up with money or not, uh, it's hard to say. Now, of course, Donald Trump, as I said, returned to the CPAC conference, recast in his image Saturday. Uh, You know, this was all about Donald Trump. This wasn't about conservatives or Republicans because most of them didn't show. It was just the trump just the conspiracy theorists, just a couple people that want to run against him. It's funny, Nikki Haley and Mike Pompeo showed up and they talked shit about Donald Trump. That was pretty courageous because Mike Pence didn't. Uh, None of these other bigger names that are looking to run for the presidency did. But at least Nikki Haley and Mike Pompeo did. So Donald Trump's speech pretty much capped a three-day agenda heavy with adoration for a coup-attempting former president, but considerably less well-attended by activists and presidential contenders alike. Trump, within minutes of taking the stage at the Gaylord National Resort, went into his typical remarks disparaging the United States as a filthy communist country and attacking Democrats and the news media. Well, that's just what he does. 
He said, they're coming after me. They're coming after you. I'm just standing in their way, he said. We will drive out the globalist. We will kick out the communist. See, that's what he does. They're coming after me, so naturally they're coming after you. That's why you need to fight for me. Well, that worked on January 6th. I have a feeling it's not working now. There's less people that support Donald Trump. The people that did go after the Capitol on January 6th fucked around and found out. 900 people were indicted that were the, were the base group, the toothless, redneck, dumb motherfuckers that attacked the building, the Capitol. They're all fucking around and finding out. Now, even though dozens of rows in the back remained empty, Trump thanked the fire marshal for letting in so many supporters. Look at all these people. They're up to the rafters. Except the last 10 rows. There's nobody in there. See, Trump will try to gaslight you right in front of your face. This place is packed when all you have to do is turn around and look. Well, it's not really packed. It's actually kind of empty. Now, if Trump can't draw a crowd at CPAC, that's got to tell you something. When the CPAC is all about Trump, where are the supporters? Why didn't they show? I even heard a story, don't know if this is true, that they were willing to pay people to come to CPAC to give the impression that it was packed. Now, I don't know if that's true, but we know Donald Trump has done that in the past with regards to rallies he's held. Trump called prosecutors investigating him, like Jack Smith or, um, um, or Fonnie Willis called them racists. <laughs> the ones in New York and Georgia are black. Oh, my God. They're black. Elvin Bragg in New York. Fonnie Willis in Georgia. They're black. My God. And claim they only went after him because he's likely to win the presidency again. Well, you did well at the CPAC, but in the world at large, Donnie, you're having some problems. He continued lying about the 2020 election having been stolen from him. We did much better in 2020 than we did in 2016, which is true. He got more votes in 2020 than he did 2016. And one of the things they always kicked about, are you telling me Joe Biden got this many more votes than Obama? That's crazy. That can't happen. How does that happen? It's got to be cheating. Well, Donnie, the reason Joe Biden got more votes than Obama and you got more votes than he did in 2016 is because more people voted. It's pretty simple when you look at it. More people voted. And why did more people vote? Well, it's because the Democrats were scared shitless that you might actually get in and be a president for the next four years. And the Trumplifucks were scared that they were going to get their asses kicked like they did. He relitigated at length his two impeachments. The first for his attempted extortion of Ukraine and the second for his incitement of the January 6, 2021 assault on the Capitol that capped off his coup attempt to remain in office. Now, the important thing to understand is he was impeached for those things because he actually did those things. It was just the Senate who didn't find him 
guilty and, and, and kicked out of office. The House did, in fact, impeach him twice. A lot of people, Trump think that because the Senate didn't vote to have him kicked out of office, that he was found innocent. No, he was not. The House decides whether somebody's impeached. The Senate essentially decides the punishment. And in both those cases, with both impeachments, the Senate, Republican majority Senate, decided, yeah, we're not going to punish him. He did all that shit, but we'll let it go. Now, Trump also promised that if he won re-election, he would take revenge on those who didn't respect his followers. I am your retribution. (laughs) I'd be amazed that anybody was buying this shit. He's the tough guy. He's the guy that's going to fix it all. But I'll tell you something. When he gets that first indictment, This guy is going to curl up in a little ball and cry. This guy has no courage at all. He's not a tough guy. And when he finally realizes he has no way out, all he can do is flail and cry and claim to be a victim. Now, Trump, during his presidency, repeatedly attacked NATO and had planned to withdraw from the alliance in his second term, thereby giving Russian dictator Vladimir Putin his top wish. After Putin invaded Ukraine last year, Trump called him a genius for doing so. He wanted to disrupt NATO, pull America out of NATO. He was buddies with Putin. You don't think Putin put that in his ear and said, listen, man, I know you owe me a lot of money, so this is what I need you to do. Shit can NATO so I can do whatever I want to do. Well, that didn't work. But Vladimir Putin, just like Donald Trump, even if it's a bad situation and a bad choice, they cannot be wrong, so they fucking double down. And they make a lot of mistakes. There is no question that Vladimir Putin made a huge mistake by invading Ukraine. He thought it might take a few days. Well, we're over a year later. Russia has been sanctioned to the hilt. He's lost thousands and thousands of Russian military. And he's really gained nothing. Not a fucking thing. The Ukrainian army has fought him back at every level. That's not to say Ukraine hasn't suffered some atrocities and some tragedies. There's no question. The whole point of this war, well, there is no point. There is no point to it. It's just about Vladimir Putin's ego. Now, on Saturday, he promised that if he won the White House, he would quickly end the war because he gets along great with Putin. Really? Because earlier he said, somebody asked him, how would you get this war ended? He said, well, I would get Zelensky and Putin in a room. And we would just knock some heads. Donnie, I would love to see you knock Putin's head. He would kick your ass on the spot. And he's dying of cancer. Donald went on to say, I'm the only candidate who can make this promise. I will prevent and very easily World War III. 
very easily. And you're going to have World War III. By the way, you're going to have World War III if something doesn't happen fast. See, he's putting out this urgency. Only I can save you. But Donnie, you were in office for four years and you didn't do jack shit. You set up the strategy to pull out of Afghanistan, but you didn't have the courage to do it. You handed it off to Biden. Biden basically did your plan. And then you Republicans have the audacity to complain how Biden did it when Donald Trump set up the fucking plan. Now, although his aides had promised reporters that Trump would offer a forward-looking version for his return to the White House, instead his 105 minutes on stage was largely a repeat of his off-repeated lies and grievances. Saturday's attendance was higher than on the first two days of speakers. Still, the crowd was nevertheless smaller than in previous conferences, particularly the previous two that were held in Orlando, Florida, to evade stricter COVID-19 restrictions in the Washington area. Yet nobody's showing up. Donald's telling everybody is that... uh, that it's packed to the rafters, but it wasn't. All you had to do is watch C-SPAN or some of these news reports, and they show you the, uh, the crowd, and I use that term crowd loosely. Now, also not attending were most of the potential 2024 Republican contenders. Of the 14 major names either running or considering a run, only three attended CPAC. Trump, former United Nations Ambassador Nikki Haley, and former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Now, why didn't these others come? A couple of reasons. They knew it was a Trump event. They knew they couldn't make any headway here. And secondly, they didn't want to piss off Trump. They didn't want to take his thunder away from him, Suffer potentially suffer his wrath. See, these people are still afraid of Donald Trump. These people can't wait till something goes down with Donald Trump like an indictment to take him out of the mix. These people don't like Donald Trump. Otherwise, they wouldn't be planning to run against him. Now, eight years ago, the last time CPAC was held with an approaching presidential election and without a Republican incumbent in the White House, the conference attracted a full dozen Aspirants, 12 people who wanted to be president showed up. This time, only three. Now, GOP consultants said the decision by likely 2024 candidates, including Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, their choices not to attend makes sense given how overtly pro-Trump CPAC has become, as I've said. Indeed, on Saturday alone, speakers included former Brazilian President Bolsonaro, pillow monger, and election conspiracy theorist, Mike Lundell. I got to tell you, I'm embarrassed every time I see Mike Lundell. He talks and talks and talks, and none of it makes sense. I find it embarrassing because he's a fellow Minnesotan. Yes, he's a former crack at it. He went on to have some success with his shitty pillows, And then he flushed that down the toilet, jumping on Donald Trump's bandwagon and the election fraud bandwagon. And uh, now he's slowly dying financially. You know who else showed up? Carrie Lake. 
Now, Carrie Lake makes me laugh. This woman lost legally and fairly for the governorship of Arizona. She went to court. She complained. She's still complaining. She's taken every channel she could take to try to redo the election or put her in the governorship. And every time it's lost, and she's still whining about it. I have to think that now she showed up at CPAC in hopes of being Donald Trump's vice presidential candidate. But I don't understand the point because Donald Trump will not be running for president. You're going to do a lot of spinning your wheels for nothing, Kerry. But you seem to enjoy that with your attempts to get a recall on this election in Arizona. None of it's worked. You're still whining about it. You'll whine about it when Donald Trump drops out of the race and you're left with nothing. Also in attendance, uh, GOP conference chair Elise Stefanik. Now, all of course, all of these people, of course, uh, praise Donald Trump, their Lord and Savior. They had no bad things to say about Donald Trump. Although Mike Pompeo and uh, Nikki Haley, they didn't say anything. Well, Pompeo did say some things directly. We'll talk more about that later. But Nikki Haley only made kind of some references She's really playing off this thing where, where we don't need more old people, old men specifically. We need new or younger people, which is interesting because she's much younger than Donald Trump. So that suggests get rid of Donald Trump and Nikki Haley should be the presidential candidate. Well, let's be honest. If we're looking at polls right now, Nikki Haley, Mike Pompeo getting about 2%. This Republican nomination is only about two people right now. That is Ron DeSantis, and that is Donald Trump. But the crazy thing is, and I'll say it again, and you can call me on it if I'm wrong, I'll guarantee you that Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis won't even be in the running for the candidacy in 2024. They will be otherwise engaged, more than likely in legal problems. They won't be up for the primaries. Well, they might be in the primaries, but when it comes to getting a candidate, neither one of them will ultimately be the candidate. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more or special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Since CPAC is the big story this weekend, we're going to continue talking about CPAC because over and above Donald Trump, Kerry Lake, and all these other dumb fucks that were speaking, there were a lot of things being discussed that were at the very least disconcerting and at the very worst disturbing. Imagine, if you will, we have this convention center in D.C., thousands of conservatives, including prominent Republican lawmakers and presidential hopefuls, all getting together. They were there for the 2023 Conservative Political Action CPAC. And what did they want to discuss? Well, apparently children's genitals. 
see what I mean by disturbing. Now, this is the preeminent annual gathering of America's conservative movement, where speaker after speaker held forth on the urgent need for the Republican Party. Unfortunately, the Republican Party, as we once knew it, no longer exists. It's now basically a renegade fucking cult is what it is. But they still want us to believe that they're conservatives and they're Republicans and everything's still the same. Now, they spent a lot of time talking about the criminalization, the act of doctors and parents providing minors with gender-affirming care. I'm not even sure what that means. I don't think it's even about sex reassignment. It's maybe getting kids that are in that situation some help, any kind of help. Now, there's a clown, and I will say a clown because he was part of Donald Trump's administration for a while. He's done some podcasts and some video stuff, and he's just a fucking buffoon. His name is Sebastian Gorka, an alleged member of a Nazi collaborating political party in Hungary who served as an advisor to former President Donald Trump. He kicked off the proceedings Friday morning from the main stage. He warned the crowd that they are mutilating boys and girls and sacrificing them on the altar of their transgender insanity. A short time later, Marjorie Taylor Greene, a featured speaker, of course, she is the leader of the Republican Party in the House of Representatives. She was a featured speaker at one point at a white supremacist conference. That was last year, and her fellow speakers praised Adolf Hitler and cheered on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. She took the stage to make a big announcement. She said, so last Congress, I did something radical and extreme because, remember, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's so extreme. I introduced a bill called the Protect Children's Innocence Act. And let me tell you, my great news this morning, ladies and gentlemen, is it couldn't pass last Congress because Nancy Pelosi was Speaker of the House. She doesn't believe in gender at all, but we have a new Speaker on our Republican majority, and I'm going to be reintroducing, reintroducing my bill that will make it a felony to perform anything to do with gender. Well, guess what, Marjorie? That's not going to pass at all. And if somehow, by some crazy circumstance, that it gets through the House, it'll be buried in the Senate, and certainly Joe Biden would never sign it. See, this is what they like to do. They like to talk shit, stir things up, control the narrative, but never actually do anything. But here's the disturbing thing. When she said what she said, the crowd there roared. They were excited. They were supportive of what Marjorie Taylor Greene was saying. Greene's cruel piece of legislation based on a multitude of lies would prohibit transgendered Americans under 18 years old from receiving crucial health services that have long been endorsed by the American Medical Association, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Academy of Children and Adolescent Psychiatry, the Endocrine Society, the American Psychological Association, and the American Psychiatric Association. 
You know, when you're dealing with transgendered kids, there's a lot of suicides in this thing. There are some emotional things that these kids have to have dealt with, and they need help with them. Because regardless of what their sexual orientation or their gender or anything, they are people. They are Americans. They are citizens of this country, and they are deserving of help. But Marjorie Taylor Greene doesn't believe that's the case. If we go along and try to encourage these transgendered people, we're destroying this country. Shut the fuck up, Marjorie Taylor Greene. If we listen to you and do the things Republicans want done, we will be overturning elections and overthrowing our government. I'll take my chances with the transgendered folks. They deserve the help, and they don't deserve the fucking treatment the Republicans are giving them. Now, such endorsements were of little concern at CPAC, where politicians and right-wing influencers fine-tuned the anti-trans messaging that will likely be a staple of next year's presidential campaign news cycle. The Republican Party clearly having decided that trans kids are worthy enough of a wedge issue to win back the House. Well, yeah, but they also thought overturning Roe v. Wade would be helpful. All you're doing here is alienating another group of people. And it's not just the transgendered people. It's not just the people in that particular instance. It's all the families that have people in those instances. What they're doing is trying to harm families, and they're trying to harm citizens of this country based on their sexual orientation. Well, why in the fucking world would the government have anything to do with sexual orientation? But Marjorie Taylor Greene and all the Republicans want to have control. It also became clear at CPAC that Republican campaign against trans kids isn't just a mere ploy to energize its base. It could also be the beginning of an insurgent fascist campaign to erase trans people from public life altogether. That sounds crazy, that sounds extreme, but that sounds like the fucking trump doesn't it? Miss Extreme, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Michael Knowles, the host of Michael Knowles' show on The Daily Wire, gave a speech at CPAC that at moments sounded genocidal. The problem with transgenderism is not that it's inappropriate for children under the age of nine, he said. The problem with transgenderism is that it isn't true. So what they're, what they're saying is these kids dealing with this issue of being transgendered, he's saying it's all a hoax. It's not true. It's fake news. We've heard that before, haven't we? COVID-19, not true. It's a hoax. It's fake news. Then a million people die. The election was a fraud. It was a hoax. It was rigged. But no evidence was ever found. And we've spent years now, two years, going through court cases. No evidence has been shown, and every court case has been lost. They've gummed up our media. They've gummed up our government just because they believe a lie. 
Now, there are an estimated 1.6 million trans people in the United States, Knowles told CPAC crowd, that these people should not have a right to exist. That's what he said. Now, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, that's got to make you nervous. That's the kind of things you heard in Nazi Germany. And you're on board with that? Come on, motherfucker. If transgenderism is false, then for the good of society, transgenderism must be eradicated from public life entirely. This is what he said. Then he repeated, eradicated, and guess what? That fucking crowd roared. We have some bad people in this country. Stupid and evil motherfuckers in this country. Now, another speaker, Tom Fitton, president of the right-wing website Judicial Watch, called gender-affirming care for minors a demonic assault on the innocence of our children. They always love to throw religion in here. But the religion they preach is so perverted and so against the Bible and so against whatever Jesus is supposed to have said. They just make it work with their agenda. They will pervert uh, passages in the Bible, just like they pervert the Second Amendment. And there's also a panel on the main stage called A Time for Courage, featuring panelist Riley Gaines. Now, she's a former collegiate athlete who made a name for herself, complaining about competing against a transgendered swimmer, Chloe Cole, a woman who identified as transgendered male as a minor, but later detransitioned. Cole's story was featured prominently in right-wing media, of course it was, to demonstrate the apparent dangers of allowing children to receive gender-affirming care. But stories like hers are really rare. Only about 1-3% to of the people who start gender transition later express regret for doing so and then backtrack or travel elsewhere across the country for gender identity. So it's a small percentage, but again, it goes back to what I've said before. They will take the smallest grain of sand or rice. They will expand it. They will exaggerate it to make their point. When you get people at a Republican get-together like this, something they call the preeminent conservative get-together, CPAC, And there are humans talking about eradicating other humans. Tell me how that's not a red flag. Tell me how that's not a problem. Even if you are a Trump fan, can you really buy into that? If you do, you're just as evil as that motherfucker, and it's you that should be eradicated. Now... We've been hearing about Kellyanne Conway as of late. Apparently... She testified in front of the DOJ, and that's got to make Donnie Trump a little nervous. Now, reacting to a report from page six, that former White House advisor, Kellyanne Conway, and her husband, conservative lawyer George Conway, are lawyering up and getting divorced. Donald Trump jumped into the fray late Friday night. Now, the fact that these two are getting divorced is not surprising at all. Kellyanne Conway is an absolute Trump humper, and George Conway, even though he's a conservative, is dead set against Donald Trump. He understands how stupid and how criminal he is. 
apparently they're getting divorced. And Donald Trump couldn't help but throwing in his two cents. Page Six reported that Conway's marriage was torn apart by her allegiance to Donald Trump as her husband became one of the former president's biggest critics. It was really weird during the whole presidency. George is talking against Trump. Kellyanne is buying into everything Trump says and does. How do you go home and have dinner and raise kids in that circumstance? I mean, shit, I can't get along with family members I don't live with. What do you do when you have a fucking crazy, lying, corrupt human being like Kellyanne Conway living under the same roof? I I couldn't do it. The fact that they've remained married this long is absolutely fucking amazing to me. Now, the reports note uh, in her 2022 memoir, Here's the Deal, Kellyanne said that she considered George's steady barrage of criticism of then-president a betrayal of their marriage, calling it cheating by tweeting. She also said that Ivanka Trump had suggested couples therapy. No, I don't think you need couples therapy. I need, I think you, what you need, Kellyanne, is to go through some kind of process to get rid of the brainwashing that you've undergone dealing with Donald Trump. See, this goes back to something I've said before. If I get a Trump humper coming to talk to me, they can't help themselves. They've got to say something stupid. Now, I haven't initiated this contact. I haven't initiated this conversation. But if you're standing in front of me and you say something that's an out an out lie, I must say something. At least to do you the favor of straightening your shit out. So I do that. And then, then they'll get upset and they'll get mad and they'll, you know, maybe yell and scream or whatever. I don't because I'm not a yeller or screamer. But then people will come to me and say, why did you start something with them? Fuck you. I didn't start anything with them. They walked up to me, said stupid shit. I took offense to it, and I responded. And I didn't respond by yelling or screaming. I just straightened them out and told them what the facts were. They got mad. They're the ones that got unhinged. And they're the ones that can't handle the truth. And it's the same here. You've got Kellyanne Con- Conway siding with criminals. Everything they do is wrong. And you've got George, her husband, who is going against the criminals and the corrupt motherfuckers. Go to couples therapy. Where's the middle ground there? One is right. One is wrong. Kelly is wrong. George is right. Unless you get somebody to go fully to one side or the other, there's no saving that fucking marriage. I mean, Jesus Christ, George Conway's got to be the happiest man in the world knowing he's going to be divorced from Kellyanne Conway. We haven't seen her much on TV, but remember the days when she would show up and she would speak for Donald Trump? Everybody fucking hated her. They came after her in restaurants. You remember that? And then they went through the whole thing with their daughter who was on TikTok, and then I don't know if she became suicidal or whatever poor fucking kid in the middle of that shit my god i hope that kid got some help and i hope she's gonna be living with her dad because her mom is a fucking nutcase now of course trump weighed in on the reported split 
and congratulated her late Friday night using his Truth Social platform. This is what he wrote. Congratulations to Kellyanne Conway on her divorce from her wacko husband, Mr. Kellyanne Conway. Free at last. She has finally gotten rid of that disgusting albatross around her neck. He then added, she is a great person and will now be free to lead the kind of life that she deserves. And it will be a great life without extremely unattractive loser by her side. Like Kelly's a beauty. Kelly, Kelly, um, when I look at, at, at Kelly, it reminds me of a term my um, mother used to say. Now, my mother was a sweet woman. She never talked badly about anybody. But um, my brother came home with a girlfriend one time. I didn't know the girl. She kind of hung out with a rough crowd. She was kind of a rough girl. She did some drugs and smoked a lot. And she just was not the most pleasant person in the world. (laughs) And... uh, My brother said, so, Mom, what do you think? And she says, well, to be honest with you, (laughs) she looks like she was rode hard and put away wet. (laughs) Never heard that term before, but I've used it all the time since. And that's what Kelly Conway reminds me of. She looks like she's been ridden hard, had a hard life, and put away wet. Now, after hearing about all this stuff, that Donald Trump is saying in his true social. George Conway, who's a smart guy, who's a conservative, but does not like Donald Trump. On Twitter, he Conway coolly fired back on Saturday. And this is what he said. Looking forward to seeing you in New York at E. Jean's trial next month. Hugs and kisses. Conway was, of course, referring to the lawsuit Trump uh, against Trump by writer E. Jean Carroll, and that is coming up in April. Of course, Carroll has accused Trump of raping her in the 1990s in the dressing room of Manhattan department store. Trump has denied it, said, she's not my type. She filed a suit against Trump late last year, claiming sexual battery under the recently passed Adult Survivors Act, which temporarily lifts the statute of limitations for a year on civil claims over alleged sexual affairs. Now, Donald Trump has said a couple of things here. He said it never happened or it happened a long time ago. So, Donnie, either it happened or it didn't happen. But if it did happen a long time ago, you don't have the uh, statute of limitations anymore with this new law. You're going to have to address it. Now, he's done everything he can to try to uh, dismiss it or delay it, but it's not working. The court case is coming in April, and this is not going to be good for Donald Trump. You know, we're worried about indictments, but when he goes through this case about raping E. Jean Carroll, you don't think that's going to be very high up on the newscast. All of it's going to be spilled, and Donald Trump is going to be woefully embarrassed. Carroll also sued Trump for defamation in 2019 after he angrily denied her allegations in a White House interview. He claimed that Carroll was not his type and that she was just out to get publicity. 
Now, the funny thing about this was, is that his defense was, well, I was president, and anything I say is okay, because I have absolute immunity. We find out now that he doesn't have absolute immunity, as stated by the Department of Justice. But that was his defense. So what does he do? Say, okay, you use that as a defense. Then he goes on on True Social and makes the same claims and adds the same insults. So even if he had anything to fight this with the defense he had in mind, he washed it away when he fucking did it again. This is how stupid Donald Trump is. He's fucking unbelievable. Now, Donald Trump is never short on doing stupid things. But he's always trying to delay court cases. He can't delay the E. Jean Carroll case anymore. It's coming up in April, Donnie. It's all going to be exposed in April. You won't go to jail over it, but you'll be exposed for the piece of shit you are. But now the attorneys for Donald Trump are back in the mix. You know that Mike Pence was subpoenaed by the DOJ, and of course Mike Pence says he's going to fight it. Why don't you just leave it at that, Donnie? Let him fight it. He's going to lose. But, no, Donnie Trump is now secretly, not so secretly, submitted a legal brief in federal court late Friday seeking to keep former Vice President Mike Pence from testifying before a grand jury. You know, because he... Well, he was the president, so he gets to do that. Anything I said to Mike Pence has absolute immunity. No, it doesn't. Donnie, you and Mike Pence will go through this process. You'll go through court after court into the Supreme Court. They won't listen to it in the Supreme Court. Mike Pence is going to have to talk. And that is a problem for you, Donnie, because Mike Pence is the one that was talking directly to you, leading up to your little game, trying to get him to not certify the election. He's got a lot of good information to give and why he's not willing to give it to the DOJ when we were in the middle of an attempted coup is troubling for Mike Pence. I know Mike Pence thinks he's trying to keep the trump on his side and not rile them up. I'm not sure if he's concerned about his safety or if he thinks it will help him as he's trying to run for president. Let's just say this, Mike. Nobody that follows Donald Trump would vote for you for president. And when you pull 30% of the Republican Party out and have them against you, you have no chance at all. Mike Pence has zero chance of being the candidate. But apparently he's delusional and still thinks he does. Now, according to CNN, the filing came in a sealed proceeding and was in response to a subpoena from special counsel Jack Smith to Mike Pence. Now, CNN is reporting. It's unclear how long it will take for the sealed proceedings to unfold, but it's possible that the district court resolves the dispute or that it will be appealed to a federal appeals court and perhaps eventually to the U.S. Supreme Court. I think you can count on that. Since taking over the DOJ investigation into efforts to overturn the 2020 election, Smith who has a reputation of moving pretty quickly, and he is moving pretty quickly. I know it seems slow to you, but he only took over, what, in January, late December, January? He's got a lot done since that time, certainly a lot more than Mike, uh, than uh, Merrick Garland. 
Pence has already indicated he had no desire to appear before the grand jury that is looking into the president's involvement into the insurrection. So why is Donnie doing it? Why doesn't he just sit back and watch Mike Pence fail? Because Donnie's going to fail too. It's just amazing to me. Apparently, he needed to spend more money on legal fees. He's probably buried in legal fees at this point. Now, one of the things at the Supreme Court that we're all waiting with bated breath about is his student loan relief. It's gone through the courts. You know, Joe Biden wanted to give 10000 to some people, 20000 to other people, and he... Um, made an executive order to do that. And, of course, some trump Fox, some Republicans said, oh, we can't do that, let's take it to court. They lose and they lose and maybe they won, and now it's up to the Supreme Court. Now, when it was presented to the Supreme Court, it sounded like those people were against allowing this to happen, which is problematic. Now, The Biden White House has been reluctant to talk about alternatives to its student loan relief plan for fear of undermining its case now before the Supreme Court. But should the justices strike down the proposal, they do have some options. And this is what I was telling you before. Even if the Supreme Court strikes this down, it's not necessarily over. Now, lawyers for the administration made their case to save President's student loan debt forgiveness before the justices on Tuesday, but with the plan at the mercy of the conservative-leaning court, eyes are on the administration for what comes next. Everybody's presuming the Supreme Court will knock it down, and as I've said before, that still won't be the end of it. This is a big promise that Joe Biden made. If he's, in fact, running for president in 2024, he has to do something to save face. Now, Biden told reporters Wednesday, I'm confident we're on the right side of the law. I'm not confident about the outcome of the decision as yet. The relief was a top promise for the president during the 2020 campaign, and he announced his plan to eliminate up to $20,000 in student loan debt just a few months before last year's midterm elections. Now, from the outset, observers knew the proposal would be challenged legally, and it quickly became the subject of multiple lawsuits around the country, with two cases ultimately reaching the high court the Supreme Court, that isn't so supreme anymore. Now, despite the apparent odds stacked against them, the Biden administration has tried to maintain an optimistic tone and not entertain talking of backing off. The plan that we would put forward in August is the plan that we have, which is also a plan that you heard the Solicitor General really defend in a strong, powerful way yesterday. That's our plan, and we believe in our legal authority to get that done and get that implemented, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said Wednesday, adding that Education Secretary Miguel Miguel Cardona had reached out to borrowers this week to let them know the White House has their back. Our focus right now is getting this done. You saw the Solicitor General really give a strong argument yesterday in front of the highest court in the land. There's a reason we took it to the Supreme Court, Jean-Pierre said. In the short term, 
the most visible alternative Biden could explore if the high court nixes his proposal is loan forgiveness through a new executive action, a possibility backed by leading Democrats, including Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senator Elizabeth Warren. Now, in 2021, Schumer, Warren, and other Democrats called on Biden to use authority under the Higher Education Act to cancel up to $50,000 in student loans. The 1965 law allows for student loan relief for certain groups, including those whose institutions have since closed. Now, Congress already granted the Secretary of Education the legal authority to broadly cancel student debt under Section 432A of the Higher Education Act of 1976, or 65, I'm sorry, which gives the Secretary the authority to modify, compromise, waive, or release any right, title, claim, lien, or demand, however acquired, including any equity or any right of redemption, the Democrats wrote. Now, Robert Moran, a former senior policy advisor in the Education Department under George W. Bush, suggested that Biden administration could also try to defend its current plan under the HEA as opposed to the Higher Education Relief Opportunities for Students, or HEROES Act, which it cited before the Supreme Court. So as I've said, this is going to the Supreme Court. The odds are the Supreme Court is going to knock it down. But I don't want people to get excited because that will not be the end of it. We know how government works. We know how important this is to Joe Biden. This is a promise he made. This is something that uh, went a long way with young voters. Now, if you piss off the young voters, you're going to have a problem in 2024, given that we know millennials and Gen Zs are making a big impact on the 2022 election and certainly on the 2024 election. Now, it could come back that the Supreme Court says, fuck it, we're not doing this, it's knocked down. But don't think that's the end of it. This will be even a longer process. You know, I've said, and I don't even know if he can legally do this, if they knock it down in the Supreme Court, I would just keep delaying payments on it till after 2024, run out the clock like the Republicans do, and then run it through, get it passed, and do what you want to do. I don't know ultimately what will happen, but I know that if the Supreme Court knocks this down, it won't be the end of it. So those of you with student loans that are concerned about that, you don't need to worry quite yet. There's going to be some other efforts and other things going on. The Biden administration really can't afford to not get this deal done. As I've said, you know, the 20000 or the 10000 that's not enough to really even make a difference. This isn't just about free rides for kids with college loans. This is about the future of this country, the future economy of this country. If we have millennials and Gen Zs saddled with deep death debt, they won't be able to buy anything. They won't be able to qualify for anything. Then what's that going to do to the economy? It's fucked up. I don't even care about who's getting free what. I'm worried about the future of this country and the economy of this country. Not for me, but for my kids and my grandkids. 
And if you can't see that, then you're not fucking paying attention. There's a bigger issue on this whole thing. And it's not about giving kids free rides on student loans. The fact is, these student loans have been predatory. They've been raised ridiculously over the years. Kids can't afford them. And if they can't afford them and are forced to pay for them because they can't file bankruptcy on these things, then they can't afford to buy the things we need to keep this economy running. So if you're worried about this Supreme Court, I get it. But don't think it's over if the Supreme Court knocks it down. All right, we are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.